today, I'm providing you with a treat. Today, we're going to be talking to my very own father, Michael Chamberlain, also known as Chamberlain Paintings on Instagram, also known as CP by close friends and family. It's long overdue for me to talk to my dad because I don't think I would have a podcast without my dad. It's very similar to what it sounds like when I'm talking to my dad on the phone. You know, similar topics, similar opinions, similar ideas, similar hypotheses. Moral of the story is, it's long overdue. And he only has one kid, and it's me. And I am a full-time job. But he's also an oil painter. He creates YouTube videos. He's also a musician, singer, songwriter, musician. He's one of the most creative people I know. He's easily the wisest person I know. And you're going to love him more than you love me and want him to take over the podcast. And it's going to be fucking heartbreaking. Everybody's going to be like, oh my God, Emma, give the podcast to your dad. And honestly, he deserves it. He's shaking his head off camera. He's like, I don't fucking want that. So here is a conversation with my wonderful, wonderful dad, Michael Chamberlain. This episode is presented by Haagen-Dazs. It's love at first bite with the new Haagen-Dazs Dulce de Leche bar featuring rich caramel Dulce de Leche ice cream swirled with thick, milky Dulce de Leche ribbons and dipped in milk chocolate. Indulgent? Yes. The perfect way to treat yourself? Absolutely. Find at retailers nationwide. That's Dawes. This episode is brought to you by Bumble. Dating can be exhausting. Even just getting to the dating stage is a little bit overwhelming. You know, I'm not somebody who loves casually dating. I like to be in a relationship. Finding somebody you're attracted to is challenging enough, but then making sure that you're compatible is a whole other challenge. Well, Bumble is helping take some of the pressure off. Now you can make the first move or not. It's entirely up to you. Thanks to Bumble's new feature, Opening Moves. It's a simple way to start conversations. Just choose a question and let your matches reply to kick off the chat. Try Opening Moves on the new Bumble. Download Bumble now. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace. Imagine you find something that you love. Maybe you see your friend wearing a cool t-shirt and you're like, oh, I want that. And then they give you the website and you go onto it and it just doesn't feel quite right. That doesn't make you want to buy that t-shirt. A good website is crucial when it comes to selling your product or a brand. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. It's okay if you don't know the first thing about design. You can choose from professionally curated layouts with the Squarespace blueprint. Squarespace even has AI that can help you kickstart or update your website copy. If you're selling products, Squarespace makes checkout seamless for your customers with simple but powerful payment methods. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial and save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain with the code EMMA. So what do you want to know about me? Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know everything about you, so it's easy. I don't know. Like, I, I, what? Yes, I do. I mean, I think in some ways, well, yeah, but yeah, okay. So not to age you at all, but. Yeah. No, it's fine. I'm there's, proud there's, of it. <laughs> not to totally expose you, but a lot has happened in your life thus far. There's so many nooks and crannies. Like, I feel like I'm always finding out something new about your life and various, I don't know, just like phases that you've had, et cetera. What do you think is the most 
important for strangers to know about you? I would have to say, like, you know, growing up in New Jersey. So living in New Jersey till I was 14 and moving to California, like in the summer after eighth grade. I do like that I grew up back there. I do think that growing up back east, it makes me appreciate the West Coast more in a way. Like I'm so grateful for the weather and the beauty and that sort of thing. But anyway, but there's a lot I love about the East Coast as well. So I do feel like that's a big thing. And then I was like, I think another thing, even though I'm like, I've always been a creative person, like I never stood out creatively. Like I always took art art classes and I always took, was interested in stuff like that. But it's not like, I think, you know, even though I'm a painter for a living now, I think most of my teachers, if, if, if they were told at the time, oh yeah, by the way, that kid, he's going to be a professional painter someday. They'd be like, what? No. There was always like the art star kids in class, totally. the kids who stood out. I was never one of those kids. So I just love to make things and do things creatively, but I don't, I don't think I really, yeah, necessarily stood out. I went to San Diego State for two years, really enjoyed that, but then left early to play music, moved to San Francisco. And there I kind of, once I started playing music and playing in bands, then I started meeting other musicians and that's, and I lived, yeah, and I lived in the city. Sorry, so, I'm burping. Yeah. Oh, that's all right. I'm used to it. I know. Well, you, uh, you burp more than me. Do I? Louder and See, louder. It's so it's like so natural that I don't even notice. If no, somebody asks me, I'd be like, I don't think I ever burp. You know, when somebody sneezes and they like make it super loud and you're like, that just didn't need to be that loud. That's right. You do that with burps. <laughs> like you burp so fucking big. For the theatrics? I must've got that from my mom. Well, it all goes back to grandma then. That's right. Because I'm doing it now too. I'm burping with my chest. You know why it is? You know why? Because when I'm when I hang around with you, I drink sparkly water. <laughs> That's why. <laughs> yeah. So it's your fault. Basically okay. is what yeah, I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah. So you moved to San Francisco to do music. Yep. Um, why don't you set that scene for everyone? I moved back into the house that I that I grew up in in Foster City and and but my parents were not there like my they both lived in separate places so i lived in this house i was 19 my brother kevin was 18 and my brother james was like he was like 15 we all lived in the house by ourselves and we turn i turned the garage into a like we went and got like insulation and whatever my brother kevin you know uncle kevin is a drummer yeah, i know my uncle Do you know kevin, uncle kevin? <laughs> uh but kevin was yes a, yeah, i know kevin, kevin kevin was like you know, he dropped out of school after a year. We were both back home at the same time. and Frat I, vibes. Yeah. So I was like, do you want to play drums? And or, or I started playing bass at that point and singing. And then we brought in guitar players. So we were kind of a trio. So we played for, just played in San Francisco and like recorded songs. And I played in a couple other bands after that until I was about 30. Am I getting ahead of myself? No, because my next question was, did you want this to be your job? Like when you went into yeah. starting this band and, you know, you took the risk to leave school, were you like, I want to be a musician. I want to get signed with a label. Like this is what's happening. Was that the vibe in the beginning? Honestly, and I, th these thoughts were happening at college. I thought, what am I going to do? Like I, I, I could not see myself as being you know, sort of working in an office kind of thing. And not, again, not that there's anything wrong with that. That just wasn't like, I felt like I've always been a creative person. I've always loved music. Uh, it would be so ideal if I could actually make a living, you know, 
with music. And at that point, the only way to do it was to be like a rock star or whatever. Mm -hmm. And the channels to do that, like the ways to do that at that point were pretty limited. And it was basically how to get a record deal. I mean, spoiler alert. You didn't get the record deal. <laughs> no, no. But, but you know why? what? But, but okay, no, no, no. But no. Why? Yeah. It's either you didn't want a record deal or nobody gave you a record deal. Or those are two very different sort of outcomes. So I'm curious well, what happened. So the first thing was, that happened was like that, that turned me off was that somebody in the industry came and saw us and was like, really like these songs and like your singing, but like would you, you know, consider adding another guitar or doing whatever? And I was sort of really resistant to having any kind of pressure to change in any mm -hmm. kind of way. And my feel, and they were actually cool. I said, you know, I, I want to work on it with the guys that I'm working with. Cause being that Kevin's my brother and I was like, I just, we want to work on this. And they were like, okay, well, we're, they were going to be patient, but that kind of thing where I started thinking, you know, having to make changes or putting pressure on us to change. And I felt that. And I start, we did, we, cause then in the practices, we started trying to conform to what it was, which I don't even remember what the, what the things they were talking about then were, but it, it already started to creep in and, and then that caused like, you know, pressure or it changed the vibe of the band the too. Yeah. And, and I wasn't experienced enough not to let that happen. Cause I, you know, um, but it was all a great experience, but again, and then part, part of that was, and then I started playing in other bands and, and with older guys that had actually done touring and had record deals and, and that sort of thing. And hearing the stories, it didn't sound glamorous at all. So then, so at, at the age of 30, I, I pretty much, um, stop playing in rock bands, you know, or like, you know, but I still kept playing. Yeah. For you, it sounds like music before, you know, you left college and you started the band with my uncle Kevin and, and some other dudes. Right. Before that point, music was a hobby for you. You just enjoyed it. Yeah. And then it was like, okay, wait, maybe this is my job. And then it went back to just being a hobby again. Yeah. But well, you know, the other thing too is I think that when you're 19 years old and you're looking at like, I'm going to have to support myself. I got to, I think that there was so much, like I was so, I was really afraid. I think it's normal. Like I think about that now. I, I thought about how am I going to make a living? Like there was no sort of business thing that I, that, that attracted it's me. A terrifying and, time. Yeah. And I just thought, this is it. I got to go for this because this is something I love and whatever. And in a way, and that's something that I, I, you know, as a painter now, I'm going to paint for a living and I have for 10 years now. It's something I've had to kind of wrestle with there as well. When you do something that you love creatively, but then you start doing it for a living, you have to make sure that it, that it, the job portion of it doesn't take over and kill the joy. And that's something that is, uh, it's a delicate balance to do that. I feel like in some ways when I had my bills paid by something else, like I was working for DHL as a courier in San Francisco. And, and even though I didn't make a ton of money, I didn't make that much, but I, I was frugal and at least all my basics were covered. I just felt like I can just be creative for fun mm -hmm. and it's much more enjoyable not to have that pressure to sell it, you know? And so I do think that, um, 
you know, if, if the money comes as a result of just you doing what you naturally do, then that's a gift and that's great. But I think with a lot of creative kids and a lot of creative people, I mean, the reason you start is not to like become famous and I mean, maybe with some kids, you know, but I think most of them, like most of the kids I know, or most of the people now that are either young people that I paint with or older people or whatever, it's kind of all the same. They started out as a way to, it just calmed them down or it made them, it just was their sort of, you know, like their happy place or their, it gave them joy to make things and be creative. And, and I think that is where it started. So I think that that's something that I had to sort out as well, you know? And so, so for me to be creative, um, it was like, I can't give that up. I need to have that as my, that's what makes me happy. And that's more important than anything. And, and mm -hmm. so, so yeah. So to have another income, um, that takes some of that pressure off is really, is, is, is allows you to do that. And so I would recommend that. Most people expect someone who goes into art as a profession yeah. to be like a child prodigy. That's definitely not your situation. So how long had you been painting before you were like, well, maybe, maybe this is my job now because this is kind of my only option. Yeah. Yeah. So I started painting in 2003. And so I remember it was even before I painted, like I was 38 years old. I didn't have any art experience at all, except for what I had, like say in, in school, just that I would take art classes because I liked it. So I started painting at the age of 38, 2003. And then I was like, okay, I'm not ready. And so I worked for another, I think it was six years maybe more than that. I think it was like 2013 when I quit my quit everything and just was painting. Well, you know, the underlying theme I feel like of your career is, and this is so rare, is that every career move you've made has been about your happiness and your well-being. You've never made a career choice based on money, which is interesting. I feel like we're all so programmed to be like, we just need to make as much of it as fucking possible. And you are the complete opposite. You're, you know, you find your fulfillment so genuinely in, in creative endeavors and living a good life that the way that you make money is so secondary. And, and that's just such a rare point of view. Well, I think that, you know, I, I, I did think about that a lot. Uh, when I left school, I read a lot, like, cause I was not a good student, but a lot of the books I read, I don't know, there was a lot of philosophy in there about like making life choices and things like that. And I think the thing that I really wanted was I, I valued freedom more than, you know, it seemed like there's a trade-off, you know, it's like, okay, you can have a lot of money or now that the, the it's possible to have both like a lot of money and freedom. And obviously having money can make you free. But if you're in my case, I just felt like if I'm frugal and careful, then I'm getting fulfilled by these up by the freedom and the things that I have, like, 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 uh, and I did a lot of stuff like you, I don't know if you remember when you're little, like I taught sailing for seven years, you know, and, 
there was a little money there, but not much, but what an experience. Like I learned so much through that whole thing. And then, uh, you know, obviously music and painting and all these things and all the social interactions and friends that are associated with those things, um, just made, it made it so that life was, uh, satisfying and and rich in that regard. And so that's why it's like, I know you probably remember, um, it was kind of a fun challenge. Like when you were little to like, like, it was like, (laughs) let's go on a cafe crawl. Okay. Today's budget, three bucks. Yeah. We would go to San Francisco and he'd be like, okay, so picture this under five. Okay. Yeah. Under five. He'd be like, we're going to go have a total day. Yeah. It's going to be totally fun. Right. (laughs) But we're spending $5. So when we go to the cafe, we're going to say, can we just grab a, a bottle of water? Or can we just have a glass no, no, of water? Because like, you weren't even drinking coffee then. I know. So I'd like get a, a glass of water. Like you'd get like a black coffee and I'd get like a glass of water and we'd be like, yeah, yes, I, in the I fancy know, cafe. I know, I know. But we but had no, fun was, and it was totally great. And those habits still, they still kind of exist. You know, most everything I do doesn't cost very much. It is a trade-off and it's a choice you have to make, you know, like. Yeah. I mean, it's, it is. And I it's think, not for everyone. No, it's not. Well, I think, I, I think mean, that's there was, what listen, I'm realizing. I mean, there's a dark side to it too. Like, I mean, I'm going to be honest about it. There's been, there were several times, there were several times in the process where, where I thought, you know, like. In the process not, of what? Of like, of this journey as being a professional painter. There were times where I thought, what am I like where I'd run out of money or come really close? See, my philosophy with money was always like, if I have a buffer in my account, I don't even look at my account. But then there's this gut feeling like, I think I need to look, you know? And then I'd be like, uh-huh. oh, how bad is it? And one time I looked in there, it was bad. It was really bad. What was it? It was like a dollar sixty-seven, <laughs> And this was not that long ago. No, I And know. I was like, what are you doing? What are you doing? I didn't sleep like the whole night. I was just like in a panic mm-hmm. and I thought, what am I going to do? And that's when I, how like, old was I? 15, 14, I don't know. 13. You were literally already a YouTuber. It was not that long ago. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> do you remember? What? Actually, do you remember when you came up? There's a video where you come up surprising my dad on his birthday. Child, I was broke, okay? I knew this. Did you? you yes. You, you No, because you came up and you were like, so what I did was, so to, I mean, maybe some of the people have seen your video, the video. So what? here's what happened. So like the days before that, I was like, what am I going to do? And then I thought, I'll throw my own show and I'll like make postcards. Oh, your own art show. Yeah, my own art show. Mm-hmm. So I asked Grammy Pat, I was like, can I, can I use your house like- I'm going to put hors d'oeuvres and I'm going to send out invites and invite people. I've got to sell some paintings or whatever. And grandpa Bob was really helpful. He like took a stack of the postcards, you know, he's like, Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll hand them out. And he did, he handed out cards and he's like, you know, he's so social and everything mm-hmm. talks to everybody. And I sold like $4,000 worth of paintings. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm back in the game. And he's you, back. Those times where I was like against the wall, kind of like that, were so good for me. But arguably self-inflicted. It's fascinating because, you know, it's like you could have gone and gotten another job. You know what I mean? But you didn't. Like you hit $1 and you said, instead of saying like, I need to go get another job that's more stable because all creative industries are completely completely unstable and you never know what next month is going to look like. It's just fascinating that you 
through another show instead of going and getting another job. Would you consider that behavior reckless or would you consider that intuitive? What is that? I mean, I guess it's entrepreneurial, maybe, (laughs) you know, because it really is like if you're going to be and I think, too, if you're going to be successful as a creative person, you have to be as creative about how you make your money as you are with your art. And that's where like YouTube came in. That's why I was interested in YouTube, obviously. But you've been making YouTube videos since YouTube came out, but it was different because you were making music. Yeah, but it was covers. it wasn't until we started talking right before you started your channel, but I was thinking the same thing. I was like, oh, I want to do something with art, but I don't know what. I had already made a few videos where I just sat and talked to the camera about like mixing colors or something. I don't remember, but I I didn't really have any like I didn't know what I wanted to do with it or how that could end up being something that could actually bring in some additional money. So my intention when I started like a sort of painting related thing. It was more like marketing for your art. Yeah, I I just didn't even know. I just thought, ah, this seems like, you know, my feeling is if you're a painter or you're a music, if you're, if nobody knows you exist, you're selling nothing, you know? So I'm like, all right, I know how to upload things and I, you know, but what do I want to do? And that's when you wanted to, you were thinking about YouTube and that's why I was, you know. Well, you, I was sort of thinking about YouTube, but you were like, Emma, you need to do YouTube. Well, first of all, I already had seen your some your edits, like your fun edits for that you were wearing your. And I don't know if you my little about, my your little still at your finsta edits. I can't explain this. It's, yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, the bottom line is, I saw some of your fun edits that you would do, and you've talked about this before that you did. Well, with I your used classmates to like edit stuff. fun videos with my friends and 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 they like were, just for myself and yeah. and for my friends and. My then, dad loved them. Well, and then you did your vibe video phase. You had your vibe videos. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> but those were good too. And I was like, damn. I used to make She's my like- friends and I used to make these videos that would be like slow-mo of us. Like vaping. Totally. It was but, like. But the point I wanted to make though is like some of them. They were honestly a vibe. Every no, time I- and, but those were like, those were well done and those were cool. But. The ones I liked. So you had two sort of creative, or you had two sort of video approaches. One was the vibe video, which was like maybe trying, like it was kind of cool, whatever. It was totally indie sleeves. Yeah, it was, it was like trying to be cool and everything. And now, and also, me wearing, I, wearing my Lululemon leggings, like trying to be like so fucking like cool. And, and, like, and but the thing about those is the edits on those were good. Like I could see, I was like, wow, okay, the timing she, was good. Yeah, and the music, and I was like, okay, it's a vibe. These are like vibe videos, right. but. The other ones that I liked that would just were just you being a goof. Yeah, and like friends goofing around like, and like zooming in on the funny shit. Yeah, yeah. And and just like I just remember one where you guys were in the gymnasium at high school and like oh, this was so great. And you had like I think you set up we were bowling with chairs. Yeah, but what was it what did you set up as bowling pins? Okay, so basically what happened was we put a bunch of chairs Set up as bowling pins. Set up as bowling Mm -hmm. pins. And then there was this like rolling thing that it was like a flat, like like rolling device that they were using to like transport something into the gymnasium. And so then we basically, we would take turns sitting on that rolling device and we'd push each other into the It was like human bowling. Yeah, this is what happens when you go to Catholic all-girls school and you can't flirt with boys. You have to fucking play human bowling because you're so bored. But I remember remember watching it. I was like, yeah, somebody, you guys are laughing and somebody would get on, you know, it's in a gymnasium. So it's got that nice, like, 
slick floor or that smooth floor. Yeah. One of you would get in there and the others would just push with all your might. Just And the thing would just crash into the chairs. And I'm like, this is insane. No, no, it's that's, like hilarious. that's Catholic all girls so, school. So yeah. So <laughs> I remember like watching those and I just thought there was other, yeah, other videos you did too. But in any case, to get back to it, like I was like, oh, these are so, so I thought, you know, when you were expressing interest about doing YouTube or whatever, I thought, go for it. Like for sure. And then at the same time, cause I remember I was thinking, yeah, I've been thinking I want to do something art related on YouTube. And, and then that's when we started saying, I was like, send me some videos that you like and, I, and I'll do the same. And that was when I found like discovered vlogging. I hadn't even looked at watching. I wasn't like, I would always go and watch music, but then I started seeing that people were like vlogging. And I thought, Oh, what if I did something like vlog related about painting where you go out and you sort of record the experience of painting on location because mm -hmm. I'm doing it already sort of incorporate that and so then that's that became my YouTube thing yeah we both kind of simultaneously became YouTubers in yeah. a way this episode is brought to you by Bumble dating can be exhausting even just getting to the dating stage is a little bit overwhelming you know I'm not somebody who loves casually dating I like to be in a relationship finding somebody you're attracted to is challenging enough but then making sure that you're compatible is a whole other challenge. Well, Bumble is helping take some of the pressure off. Now you can make the first move or not. It's entirely up to you. Thanks to Bumble's new feature, Opening Moves. It's a simple way to start conversations. Just choose a question and let your matches reply to kick off the chat. Try Opening Moves on the new Bumble. Download Bumble now. This episode is brought to you by eBay Authenticity Guarantee. At eBay, authentic is always in season. When you see the blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, it means their handbag experts are making sure your arm candy is nothing short of the real thing. They're checking all the details from the leather to the logo, carry-all or clutch. We all love a handbag that turns heads. Knowing it's the real deal makes it that much sweeter. With eBay authenticity guarantee, you'll carry with confidence Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. So the thing that I think is really interesting is that, so you were 17 when you moved to LA, right? And I knew people who were musicians who moved to LA. To me, the thought of moving to LA by myself, now obviously, just so that we don't, that your mom and I don't seem like negligent parents or whatever. We were going to be like, all right, we'll take turns being down there to make sure that you're okay. I remember you called me and you said, I'm moving to LA and you can't say no. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But my question is, did you have any fear about moving to LA? I mean, it's like, it's six hours away at best. In it's, the car. It's, yeah, yeah. It's like almost 400 miles from where I grew up from the Bay area. Yeah. yeah. It's, so it's quite a ways. I think it was a combination of a few things. I think number one, I was aloof to, you know, moving to this big city as a 17 year old, like what, what the dangers of that even are. I think I was aloof to it, but then I do think that I was running on adrenaline and it's like, wait, hold on. I've just spent the last year of my life, not in school. All of my peers are in school. I've been alone, you know, not socializing with kids my age very much. 
the only time I get to is when I'm interacting with my peers who are also, you know, in this industry. I felt like, wait a minute, this is my ticket to being a social being again. You know, like I want to be around people. And I was starting to get recognized by fellow YouTubers at the time. And I was like, that was so exhilarating to me. You know, all these people I'd been watching on YouTube forever are now like, we watch you on YouTube. And I was like, that is, I can't handle that. I have to move now. And I was like, I don't care about being famous, but the thing that really put the fire under my ass to succeed at it was to be friends with these people that I watched. Right. Like, it's almost like that motivated me more than anything. And I wasn't like super fangirl about it, but it was more like, oh, I genuinely think that these would be good friends. Like we, and and we also have a a common hobby in a way. Oh my God, how special would it be to have friends who have the same passion as I do for creating a video? Like that's so cool to me. Like I wanted that so bad. That is the one thing, like I think when you called me, you were expecting me to give, like push back on that. I thought it was great. Like I thought you need to go because of that very reason that you were doing this thing, you had committed to it. And there's no one in the Bay area that was doing that. Like, or they, maybe they were, but the whole, there were other, you know, people down here that were doing that sort of thing. So to me, it's like, yes, go for it yeah, for sure. And, and, but when I thought about it, it still impressed me like, wow, she's like 17 and she's just going for it. But, and you're right. Like, I think I thought about this too. When I, when I first came down to, to visit, you're not somebody who's moving to LA to get into the industry. You were already in right, it right. and it was almost like overdue. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It was like overdue yeah. that you got down here where other people were doing things. And because immediately you hit the ground running when you came down here. Well, it was automatic. I did have things to do. You know, it was like somewhat easy for me to make friends because at that point I was, I was peers with these kids. It wasn't like. Well, it was clear to me because I came, what did I come down? I came down with you, like your mom and I would take turns, but even before you moved down, it came down with you. And I remember you were just, you had constant things going on. It was nonstop. And I don't even think you expected that, that first time. There was a lot, there was almost too much going on. I remember losing focus easily. Like it was like, you know, there were so many kids that were like, you need to come out, come out and do this with us. You need to come out and do this with us. You need to come out and do this with us. And it became hard to balance, you know, that social life with like, Wait a minute, I still have to do what I came here to do though. Yeah, yeah. And I and I will say I I got lucky that yeah, I think I lost my footing a, uh, quite a few times throughout the journey, but yeah. I never lost my footing to a point where it was irreversible, it was unfixable, you know? And I think naturally when you come into your career when your brain is not fully developed, yeah. It's like you're just due to my brain still isn't probably fully well, developed. Well, I mean, that's what I was saying. Sake. You're gonna you have to make part of any I mean, that's part of the journey is like making mistakes and learning what works, you know, as long as it's not dangerous, you know. I know I right? really I stayed out of danger. Yeah, I just think it still took courage to come down here, you know? Thank you. And um see for me it was like it was just like it was no, like holy was, shit. Yeah, and all the other thing I was gonna say too is this is another thing that I observed is that, and you can tell me your take on Mm -hmm. this, but when it came to 
all of this, it wasn't like, I, I never felt like money and fame was something you were, that was not the point of you with mm -hmm. YouTube. YouTube for you was almost like this is, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you saw videos or you saw things where you're like, that's cool. I want to do that. It, it's always been hard for me to figure out what I was even trying to do with YouTube. It was all so intuitive. It was like, I'm just like, I'm obsessed with doing this, but I don't know why. Mm -hmm. It's like with YouTube, it's not obviously creative. Does that make sense? It's not obviously creative. I did not understand like what, why do I, like, why does this creatively fulfill me? Yeah. And in, up until recently, I was kind of unsure. Like, why is making a YouTube video a creative thing? And I, it totally makes sense to me now. I think, number one, it's the art of entertainment. Like, creating something that will entertain somebody for a period of time. That's number one. I think number two... It's sort of the art of creating something so seamless that when you're watching it, you, you're you there. Right. Like, that's the editing of it all. See, yeah. Can I say something? Sure. See, here's the thing. You, it, and this is beautiful. Like, I almost think for whatever reason, this whole thing is so intuitive to you, you can't even explain it. But I can't, I, I, I have thought about this a lot. And so what you're trying to articulate is, I think, Here's my thought, and you can tell me if I'm right. With any kind of art, and I don't care if it's music or painting or making a video or making a movie or whatever, what you're trying to do is create an alternate world or reality for a person to disappear into. And if the mechanics of that are obvious, then it breaks the spell and you're out. So if you're like listening to a song and all of a sudden you hear like the beat is like completely off or the voice goes off or this or that. It can be a lyric, anything to break the spell, you're out of that, that world. Mm -hmm. And so what you naturally had in a, in a video is the same thing. You're trying to create something where the person disappears into that world. And it's, it's, it's the world is seen. It's real, but it's seen through your eyes, like the music you create, where you're, you know, down to a 10th of a second of an edit or a cut makes a difference on how the flow and the feel. And that's something I noticed very early on. I was like, you know, because it's musical in a way. And I feel like that ability to where you, you can get lost in your edits and you go for that ride and your edits have changed as you've changed the way you present and you know how you create your videos, but it's all still you. And it seems to be very natural. But the, the key thing I think with all good art is it takes you disappear into it and yeah, you don't see it. True. And so that's why I think a lot of times the good stuff, it almost seems like it just exists. Totally. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I can say true. like, people might say, Oh, like Emma, you know, this is I've seen your, I've seen your timelines. Okay. And I've seen you work and, and you're a gifted editor, period, Thank you, so you, much. you know? And so like, and you keep getting better, you Thank know? You. And so I'm just going to start bringing guests on to gas me up. <laughs> well, that's what, Hey, I mean, that's what dads are for. Totally. Right? I love it. But no, the reality is that's the truth. So I feel like it's clear when you're talking about these things that you're, it, it is such an instinct for you. And I think the key thing is, is that, that, that is so important because 
you almost have to get out of your own way when you're creating effectively. Okay. Mm -hmm. So like the, the flow state where you are creating is when you're in that moment where you're entertaining yourself almost. And it, it starts there. It's got to be in that. The best stuff comes when you're like, you're in that state where you're creating something and you're not thinking necessarily about, oh, how's anybody going to watch? Like, how's this going to come off or whatever? Then you're, that's you're it. Screwed. You're going to lose. The, exactly. You're going to lose the the flow. I think that's why you really have to enjoy it doing it. And I think this industry is fascinating to me because, you know, and this is not to insult anyone at all, but I think a lot of people want to be, they want the end result, which is mm -hmm. being famous. And then they choose a creative outlet that they're like, well, this this one maybe is my favorite, so I'm going to try to do this. It, the unfortunate thing about it is that I really don't think it can be forced. And I, I but when you it, could, oh, go on. Yeah, no, I mean, I go was going to say because that's that's such a good point. And the point I want to make about that is you're right. There are a couple options. What I've noticed is there's the flow state where something comes from something authentic. Mm. And it has vulnerability. It has uniqueness that is as unique as you are as a person when you're channeling that part. But I've noticed with any kind of art, music, et cetera, there is another way that's easier psychologically. Well, I'll just say when this say style formulaic? and technique. Yeah. Okay. If you like, so you can, there are so many tools we have now and even, I mean, it, you can rely on fluff. Yes. It's like, it's like all style, no substance. Yes. Exactly. I mean, that's really what, yeah, exactly. And yeah. I'm almost the other way. Like the stuff I like is almost the opposite where, where the substance is good and the style and the other stuff is played way down. You know, that's kind of why <laughs> when it comes to like Everything I do, I would say across the board, I am really diehard about using the bare minimum equipment, having like the lowest quality. This, well, the setup that we're using right now for the podcast is gorgeous and nice, but when I'm at home, it's much more basic, yeah, basic, but it's not too fancy. Right. And I think there's two reasons for that. Number one, because it's just easier, you can waste so much time making sure your super fancy camera is all charged up and in right, focus. Right, it's like, no, right. fuck that. Like, yeah. let's just use the easiest equipment possible so that we can just go. Like, let's just go. That's right. That's, That's number right. one. So it's just like for ease. Cause then you can be much more spontaneous and whatever. But then I also think, you know, being able to make something that I, that is good and effective in my eyes with, non-fancy equipment it like forces me to create the substance does that make sense yeah no, like i'm does. not i'm not getting lost in the sauce trying to make it look right, right. you know super crisp super right. perfect super whatever and the so, reality is nobody cares it makes no difference it no. really doesn't that's if, what's if, fascinating if, if i i i used to say okay and and I, i've been thinking about that a lot lately like i like the idea of writing a song and recording it on my phone if it doesn't work like that then, you know, then it's not working. And so- That's so true. Because I said, you know, I was like, if you put Paul McCartney or Elvis Presley in front of your phone and they sang a song mm -hmm. or anyone, if it's good, it's good. Mm -hmm. And and so- 
I think that one of the challenges we have now is to, like technologically speaking, we have so much. And so I, I even do this with painting. I've cut down my colors to like minimum colors. I'll paint a painting with one brush only. One of the things we can, that can happen to us nowadays is that, like you say, we can get lost in the sauce or we can get distracted by things that we may think are important or necessary and they're not. But I had another question I wanted to ask you regarding the pressure to stay in that state or the flow creative state where you're making something for yourself and it does happen easily, like say in a video, like making something when you have so many people, you know that so many people are going to watch that video. And so trying to get into a place where that doesn't get into your head mm-hmm. while you're making videos. And I know, obviously, we've talked about this and there's times where it, it does or it's hard to, but what have you found that's been helpful to, to, to maintain that flow state in creating, even though there's, you know, that you have such a big audience? I feel like a level of like detachment you know, almost a level of denial. Like, I think I've tricked myself into kind of forgetting that part. Like, I've unintentionally, so I can't really explain how I did it, but when I'm making the video... I am sort of making it for me. Mm-hmm. It's so much work to make the video, which sounds ridiculous. I'm so embarrassed. To say that. Well, it's not. But it's not. It's work if you're not doing. If you're doing it for yourself, well, no, no, it's no. Not let me right. let me actually let me elaborate. It's just so time consuming, right? Listen, there's many more time consuming things on this planet, but you know, my videos take 20 hours to edit, right? You won't make it through. You won't finish editing unless you're doing it for you. Yeah. Because it it's a very tedious project, you know? It's like I can't even finish it if 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 I'm not doing it for me. So that explains the I don't know, probably 50 videos that have never gone out because it's just like I couldn't I was in my I I wasn't in flow with it. Yeah. I well, can't it, finish so- it if I don't get into that and I can only get into the flow if I'm making it for me. Right. Like, I'm like, this is for me. I, I am excited. I'm like so excited for the end result that I, you know, I, I need to keep going, whatever. Um, and that seems like that's what brought you back, you know, I, to recently was that just needing to return to that creative outlet that was made you happy. Well, I think the reason why I was off of it for so long was not because like editing the video wasn't getting me into flow state because I definitely think I was actually able to get there. It wasn't the editing that was a problem for a long time, but rather I didn't want to be on camera. And, and so that was the challenge. Like if I were to have been given a video of somebody else to edit Mm -hmm. and I was excited about that video, I would have been able to get into the flow state and be excited about it. Mm -hmm. It was like, I don't want to be on camera. Mm -hmm. I don't want to look at myself. I can't, I don't want to talk on camera. I I can't. So, and those are two separate things. Like that's, what's interesting about it. It's like, there are two key variables when it comes to making a video. It's like, number one, I need to be in a space where 
my energy is just good. Mm-hmm. My energy just needs to be good. And I need to have things that I want to say. And I need to be an energy that somebody wants to be around. But then also, I need to be making a video that I'm excited to edit. So it's those two variables. And I found that now I'm excited about making videos because it has nothing to do with money. (laughs) You know, I'm not doing brand deals anymore on my YouTube. My YouTube is now my playground completely. I've removed all industry from it completely. You know, there are moments when it's like, I work with Levi's. I'm wearing Mm -hmm. a pair of Levi's Mm -hmm. in this video anyway. Right. 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 Let's shove it. Let's throw it in. But it's like I, the industry is completely removed from it. Yeah. For me. Um, And that's, you know, that's an absolute privilege. Like I, I am so grateful that I'm able to do that, you know, from a financial standpoint now where, you know, I don't have to make money from YouTube anymore. So now it can just be, that just can be fun. Yeah. It's just, it's back to being my little playground. And I really think that's what's so wild about it is it's like I, YouTube became my job. Inevitably that, that, that challenged my relationship with YouTube. The other thing I was And I struggled with it up until now. Yeah. Where it's just fun now. Right. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. I don't think I ever was, I don't know if I can ever have that as a job and still enjoy it as a hobby. Right. Um, like, I don't. But also, did you feel, did you feel like, this is something that I felt when I was younger, that if I let go, like any of the creative things that I was doing, if I, I had to hold on to them, if like, if I took a break, I felt like I'd lose it. So I was always nervous during sure. breaks. And what I've, what I've found as I've gotten older is that breaks are essential because if you're not growing as a human being, your art isn't going to grow. You have nothing to pull from. No. And so, so you go like, so I find that the best way creatively for me is to do a push when I'm feeling it, mm-hmm. you know, when I'm like, all right, it's, I'm ready. Do a big push and then take a break. And do, you know, and not feel bad about it and not feel, um, and I know when I hit that wall, when I'm like, okay, I'm done. I can't, I'm, I, it's not, it starts taking Whoa. a toll on me emotionally or, or what, or I've been, and I just feel like, okay, I'm ready. But the thing that in the past is I, I felt like I couldn't let it go. Like if I did, if I, if I stopped then I'd actually lose what I had. And the reality is every time I, every time I came back after a break, even with something like painting, I, there was times where I just, for whatever reason, I was working on music and I didn't paint for two months and I come back and I've grown and doing other things and engaging in other things. I mean, it's ridiculous, but all of those have helped, you know, when I first started surfing, I didn't do anything else for like months, no music, no. And, and even that changed my approach to music and art. It's it's all of it's interlinked. If you're if you're just doing your art over and over, you're gonna run out. Like you need life. You need it. Life to bring into what you do. And I but the point is, is that living life gives you it fuels your creativity. Well, that's why I think, you know, the ultimate goal when you're in a creative industry at all is like get to a point you know where where you can set things up from the get-go to a point where you have 
space. Mm -hmm. You mm -hmm. need to give yourself space. And that was the thing that was so challenging about, well, I mean, I, I've been on some sort of weekly calendar mm -hmm. since I started, yeah. whether it was with YouTube or it's with podcast, you know, and yeah, I mean, it's definitely, that's, it's challenging. And I think now I'm at a point where I know how to create space mm -hmm, so that mm -hmm. I can go live, Yeah, you know, sure. but it can be really easy to sort of just get on a hamster wheel and not be able to get off. And then, you know, but you end up running yourself into the ground and you have absolutely, but you also stunt your growth. Oh yeah. And yeah. also the other thing I was going to say is in, during those breaks where you are getting that fulfillment, that's also like the way I look at it, that's input mode right there. That's when I'm listening to tons of music and, or looking at a bunch of art and it's like priming the pump yeah. and, and also living, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever I'm doing, whether it's hanging with friends or whatever. I mean, for me, I kind of ping pong between these different things, but yeah, those breaks away from it are like input mode. And that, that's really cool my too. input mode is so different is it this episode is brought to you by squarespace imagine you find something that you love maybe you see your friend wearing a cool t-shirt and you're like oh i want that and then they give you the website and you go onto it and it just doesn't feel quite right that doesn't make you want to buy that t-shirt a good website is crucial when it comes to selling your product or a brand Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. It's okay if you don't know the first thing about design. You can choose from professionally curated layouts with the Squarespace blueprint. Squarespace even has AI that can help you kickstart or update your website copy. If you're selling products, Squarespace makes checkout seamless for your customers with simple but powerful payment methods. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial and save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain with the code EMMA. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. When you're feeling down, sometimes it's good to be alone. But talking can also be a big help. Keeping everything bottled up is not great for your health. It would cause me a lot of stress and anxiety. It's almost like, I use this metaphor a lot, but it's almost like carrying a backpack around. And when you have stuff bottled up, it gets added to the backpack. And when you talk about it, you get to take it out of the backpack. Now the backpack's a little bit lighter. Once I got older and I learned how to communicate, I never stopped because I like having an empty backpack. It just feels better and my quality of life is better. When you need to talk and need a safe space, I highly recommend therapy. It's a great way to work through whatever's bothering you in a judgment-free place. There's something really special about having a resource to talk to that is not involved in your life on a personal level. So if you want to give therapy a try, check out BetterHelp. It's entirely online, convenient, and flexible. It's also easy to get started. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash anything today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash anything. I feel like my input mode is like, okay, a few things. Mm -hmm. Number one, being very social. Mm -hmm. Who's dating who? Who's fighting with who? Who's going out tonight? Like being a normal 22-year-old right, yeah. who just is fucking in this drama right. and in the thick of it. Yeah. It's like that gives me so much to talk about. That gives me so much to talk about. That gives me – but I mean it's also just fulfilling, weirdly enough. Yeah. 
I don't know, but that's sort of my interest. I think about. you touched on another really key thing that that for me for a while was like it was uh I kind of neglected and now it's the most important thing. Being and social. People. People, whether it's your family or whatever, but friends. Having having good friends. I know. Is I couldn't even and that's something I learned when I first started painting full time. I was just by myself. And I kind of when I'd work when I was working as a courier, I saw a ton of people. And then when I was you know, when I was doing construction, same, there's this constant interaction and that was almost enough for me. But then when I went to full-time painting, it was not good because I didn't have any interaction. So it took several years, but now I realized people is the most important thing, period. I agree. I completely agree. Having good relationships with friends who are and you got to choose your friends carefully like because if you're a creative person well not even just your friends it's it's fucking everyone it's it's who it's oh, your yeah, friends yeah it's, it's the who you work with yes it's who you date it's all of it yeah because i do think yeah you don't want to be around i want to be around people that are excited about you know just the reason you came here to la like if you're around other people that are like Let's go for it. Let's do this or whatever. That's what you want to be around. And sadly, there are people that are not in that space, you know, that, that, and you have to be careful around well, them. Well, you know, you know it, that I think, I've like, okay, I know. you can't get into any sort of flow state when you're around somebody who's just shutting down that energy. That's like right. getting into any sort of creative flow state requires this sort of, this sort of free flowing sense of, your personality out yeah. into the out, outside right. world like you need to just be able to like let you let yourself be and when somebody's you know around you and they just dull that and i mean you've seen this happen to me oh, throughout sure. my career where there's a bad apple and i'm i'm i can't fucking do anything but, I, but I, i'm out yeah. of a job like well, it, it's what i would that say bad. one thing i have noticed that i've actually learned from you this way is that and again you run on instinct but like if you sense that they're out I, they I have are been out. Whereas me, I would be more polite and I would let that mess me up, you know? Yeah, and but you that, know but, I've let it mess me up. No, I know, but you are better about that person. No. And so I've gotten way better about that. And and part of it is just that I have, for whatever reason, I think when you're putting out a positive you know, thing or whatever, if your vibe is positive, you start, you just attract other people like that as well. And so I can easily make that choice. I'm just not going to hang out with somebody who has that sort of oppressive, you know, because it is so detrimental to, if you're a person who a big part of their joy is the excitement about making things and creating things, if if you have to be careful not to be around somebody who's going to dampen that because you're going to, it's going to bum you out. So but I mean, it goes for even people who aren't creative. And 100%. oftentimes, and oftentimes though, the trick is that sometimes it's just a feeling like I just don't feel good after I am around this yeah. person or something. And then you, and then you, and a lot of times you'll, you'll even question yourself and you'll be like, is it me or whatever? And then that's why it's helpful to have a friend who's like, no, it's not you. No, that's what you do for me. Yeah. Well, it's like, it's so it's a tricky thing because it, it, if you're brought down, if you're criticized, you, you might buy into that mindset. It was like, no, that is not reality. That's their reality. That is not what we're after. Well, it is fascinating how you start to see 
reality through like I, I realized this more recently how the people that you're around, you see things through their lens. That's like right. when you're alone, mm-hmm. that is when you're seeing things truly through your own lens. Right. There's no bias. There's no you like something because you like something. When I listen to a song alone, it's a completely different experience to listening to a song with somebody else. That's right. Like today I showed you a song. Yeah. And I was like, this shit is so fucking good. And I show it to you. And I was like, oh my God, wait, this is actually kind of bad. Like I didn't, because I, I started to I listen to it saying. through I your, I was listening to it through your ear. I, I felt. Or no, you were listening through what you thought maybe my ear would be. Sure, sure. Yeah, but, but that's the thing is because, and I've, but Same that's why thing. you have to be Same around thing. people. When though, you share yeah. something with somebody, you're like, oh, wait, I know because you're second guessing. That's right. But more than that, it's also that being around somebody else, you're seeing things through their lens. And maybe some people don't do that. Like that yeah. might just be a personal yeah. thing to me or a personality trait I have. But like when I'm with somebody, I am then seeing the world through their eyes for the duration of the time that we're together. So like people that you're really close to, have to have a really solid lens that they're viewing the world through. Because if not, then you'd start taking their lens with you. And then, you know, if they're, if they see things in a way that is shitty, negative, bad, then that's just, that starts to become your default. It's going to, it's going to drag you down for sure. And I, I think you're exactly right. And that's something that that I've, like I said, I've become more aware of. And I think for you, it's like instinct. I think it's easier for me because at the end of the day, you know, I'm happiest Mm -hmm. when my core people are good, which is, you know, that's excluding those who come and go, right? Right, right. You know, you and my mom and like, you know, that's the core, you yeah. know, but even like if me and you and my mom and the few other little core people are there uh-huh. and I'm in a really exciting, inspired, motivated place uh-huh. career wise, yeah. all is good. And so if there's a bad apple, right. guess what happens now? I can't get work done, which Literally, you know this. Yeah. I fucking freak out. I know. I fucking freak yeah. out. Like yeah. I, I'm like, why is it not going? Why do I have nothing to talk about? Why do I have nothing? I, I cannot make anything. I can't say anything. I can't do anything. Freak out. Yeah. Crisis mode. Right. Everyone batting down the hatch. It's like a nightmare. But then, as a result of that, now I'm bringing that terrible energy to the core people. You yeah, and my right, mom right. That's right. and Allie right. and all the core people suffer now right, right. because I'm a mess. And so then my relationship with you suffers. Right. And then now I have nothing. My relationship is suffering with my core people because I'm a mess. My work is suffering right. and all because of that one bad apple. Isn't it interesting? It's crazy. Isn't it interesting how that one little ripple can have this effect that's very, yeah, that's very perceptive. I haven't even thought of it in that terms. I just think that- but that's why it's so easy for yeah, me to be like, holy shit. Good point. I that's have, good point. no, no, no. It's like, but for me, it's life or death because yeah. I need those foundational pieces of my life to for be sure. intact. And so if that, I'm so hyper aware of, but see, there's been moments in my past where there's been 
a bad apple yeah. and I know that this apple is bad, <laughs> but I let it fucking go for too long yeah. because I'm like, I don't want to let go of this, of this person. Like, you know, and, 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 and my God, have we paid the price for that? Right. That's why it's so important in every type of relationship. Right. Across the board, platonic, mm -hmm. romantic, business, it doesn't matter. All relationships kind of need to be taken slow. Like every, you have to take every type of relationship slow. And it's so hard to do that because in every type of relationship, again, you can be like, oh my God, like we just click and you can start skipping steps. This happens in friendships too. I mean, I know that sure. most people are probably thinking of romantic relationships, but I'm actually thinking about friendships as well. Like you meet a, uh, you know, a fun person at a bar and you're like, oh my God, we just click. We're like bestie vibes, whatever. And you're like, okay, we're going to like go on a trip together. We're going to go on a girl's trip. And it's like, no, you don't know that person well enough. It's, and the problem with that is that's when you get yourself into a relationship where you find out later that they're so, so bad for you, but you got, you, you skipped steps and now you're so far ahead that you can't then pull back and create that distance that's safe. It's too late. That sounds like almost something like you're going into a friendship or a relationship with sort of a set of preconceived ideas of who the person is, as opposed to letting it evolve naturally in a way where you're seeing them really for who they are, you know? So that it is hard because I think, yeah, I think it's, uh, it, that's tough to do, you know? Mm -hmm. Especially, I think, I do think, especially in romantic relationships, people start creating all kinds of scenarios about who that person is and oh, they're perfect. Nobody's perfect, How right? How many times have you told so that's heard what I'm me saying. That like, that's like the three month thing is just, you know, just be friends with somebody for like three months. Most of them might make three weeks and you're like, oh God, thank God I dodged that. It's so true. And then, but some, if you're getting up to three months and you're still like, you still wow, like them? this person is really cool. You know, then you're onto something. Yeah. So then push it another three months. <laughs> my, my dad's a big fan of like of like dying. What's the rush? <laughs> yeah. What is the freaking rush? Like that's I honestly feel like that's the magic time. It is the most. It's fun. so wonderful. Like it's so cool. Like and I don't know. So I just think, I think there is no rush in it and, and allow somebody to be who they are and you, it'll, and they'll, cause like it'll everybody, every, it will come out. Right. And it's kind of interesting to see how soon that comes out. How long can they keep up the charade? No, but you know, what's so crazy is I'm just thinking about. Cause we, and we all, all do it. In my, oh, totally. But I'm just thinking about all the times in my life when I've come to you and been like, I am obsessed like with like a guy. You've seen that, like, moral of the story is I'm, like, mortified thinking about through your lens how often I'm like, no, wait a minute, this is the one. No, wait, hold on, this one. Wait a minute, back it up, that one, out, this one, in. Like, Yeah, but it's I, don't, like, I don't know, because I don't, I don't see it that way. Like, I don't, I don't look and go, oh, she's so cringe. <laughs> what if I did that? Oh my God. She's... How did I raise such a cringy daughter? She is the worst. <laughs> but cringe no, is no. but so but no, it's more just like it's more that's just normal. Especially that's true. when you're younger, it's it's really normal. It comes with experience where you're like, okay. I, I kind of like rushed the boy into who that. Cried wolf. Or the girl who cried wolf. I feel like the girl who cried wolf with like 
It's also like an anxious thing too. Like when you're anxious, you're like, I need to, I need to move fast to secure this thing, whatever that is. Yeah. I think, I think what the rush comes from a lot of time it, uh, or a lot of times the rush is, um, I have a void in me and this is going to solve my problem. Mm. You know what I mean? And so you're like, and then that's when the wheels start spinning and you're, you know, creating these, this illusion. If you're in a state of, of kind of satisfaction and happiness, I think then, then you can look at almost everything around you with, with no expectations and you see, you see things more clearly and you make better decisions. So I think the moral of that story is, you know, if if you're, if you find a way to be fulfilled and happy personally, then you're not going to be looking for whether it's, you know, business opportunities or this or, or a relationship or this or that to solve that problem. And you end up rushing in and making bad decisions. Ultimate challenge in life to reach that state. For sure. And to be honest, you're one of the only people I've ever met in my entire life who have successfully, who have successfully done that. Yeah. But I mean, it's, it's just, if, if it's not happening by this age, I mean, it's a lot of years of doing, of doing exactly that and learning from the process, you know, of, of having that experience and saying, oh, you know, I need to slow down and, and just understand that a lot of the decisions I made were to fill some kind of. Well, that's vo- what I'm saying. I yeah. don't think you do anything to fill voids anymore. And think part of that is, you know, part of it is, is, is the lack of expectation of anything anymore. And I think mm-hmm. part of that comes with being a dad. Like that was huge. So like having a child and I do feel honestly, like I don't need to do anything else. You know, I take up a lot of your time calling you scream crying about something. Not so much lately. I know I'm kind of good right now. We're in the, when do you think it got really good recently? I would say, cause it was pretty dark for a minute for me. Yeah, I'm but I would say overall, somebody. I'd say overall since the beginning of of the of the whole this whole adventure or whatever. Wait, what whole journey? Like my career? Yeah, like I think Oh god. Well, it's no, been no, a but what I Well, I know. I know, but what I'm saying is is that I've noticed this gradual progression where it's gotten totally. better and better and better. But I'd say like where where it's been really good? I the don't know. The last like, few months have been fire. The, yeah, last but but also I'm I'd say like solid. the last even the last you know, the last couple of years have been better. And then now it's, it's just continuing to get better and better is what I'm seeing. You know, there was a time there it was like hard. It was tough, you know, it was difficult. Right. Cause, and, but now like you're solving, no, because it was what I didn't, you know, part of it was learning about this whole situation. And like, I was about to say, what I was going to say is where do you get the information? How do you do this? And I realized you have to just trust your heart through this whole process and, and then talking to your mom and, and same thing. I felt like in a way you're just sort of alone in this, but I feel like both of us have kind of gotten to all of us, all three of us have sort of come back to just being normal people. Mm-hmm. You know, it just feels just very normal now. I know. I feel like I'm not calling you as much with, um, no, it's more to share. Well, can stuff. I be honest? I actually think I've really figured out how to self self-soothe like i have figured out how i can i don't know like all of the unfortunate feelings are now familiar yeah and so i can i know what they feel like i know that they're gonna go away Uh 
Um, I also like have various little mantras that I will, that I have stored in the back of my head for when a thought comes up. Yeah. Like when I'm getting really anxious about, you know, like how I feel overexposed and stuff, for example, like I feel so exposed. Yeah. But I think the hardest thing for me is like just being, it's just that I think this job, you know, exacerbates various mental mental health issues I already have. Oh, like I, I mean, yeah. being an anxious and depressed person, I think it just it it can mainly with anxiety for me though. It just really it really sends me, and that's. But again, those things I'm figuring out how to. But I think we're all challenged by those things, myself included. I don't think anybody is not there's a whole new set of challenges that we have today. Mm-hmm. So even if you're not in the industry, oh, totally. you're still wrestling with this, this digital reality that we're dealing with. Absolutely. I think that I have like the, that's more like the root of mine at times can be more challenging to express, I think, because they're just very unusual. But I think that the, the feeling is ultimately the same. And again, but we both are so in support of the internet as well, where it's like, for sure, we, you know, it can enhance, Life, absolutely. And oh, it, yeah. I mean, I think if if you're a creative person, it's awesome. It's just trying to figure well, out. It's about consuming the right stuff when you are online right. and also making sure that you have a life outside of it as well. And it's tough. It's tough. And But I, I agree. That is important. It's an important distinction that you made, which is that I do still, like, I'm so thankful that as a creative person, you know, being able to have, you know, YouTube and Patreon and, and Instagram as an artist, it's essential. It's super helpful, but it's just, it is this thing where I have to, you know, constantly remind myself not to get too sucked into it and to appreciate the the three-dimensional. I think that's why it's so important to have a goal to create something that has a a positive impact in one way or another. Like that's why that's crucial. It's because it's like, you know, you don't want to build a career online in a way that is adding to the junk pile. Do you know what I'm saying? Which is easy to do and can actually be quite fruitful. Right. I mean, it's a valuable thing just to create a little quiet place somewhere for people to visit. Sometimes that's enough. That is enough. Hopefully we created a quiet place for the listeners today. I doubt it. I don't think it was very quiet. <laughs> I think we're I think we're good. I it was do you feel like we we covered yeah, it? Yeah, I love it. I hope I delivered. <laughs> yeah, I did. You, you definitely did.